So this story, this story right here, I could not let a very Russian Christmas go by with no Gogol because he asked the big questions in life like, what would happen if you replaced Santa Claus with Satan? (laughs) (laughs) If Nikolai Gogol were alive today, he would be the greatest meme maker ever. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about it today. Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una. And I am Meme Crypto. If you are new to the Codex Cantina, we go heavy into the literature that we read today. We are doing The Night Before Christmas, also called Christmas Eve, by Nikolai Gogol. If you are down for literature discussions like that, please make sure you hit the subscribe button. And as always, we start off with publication information. The Night Before Christmas was published in 1832, and our version was translated by Pivier and Balahansky. And we'll leave a link down in the description below where you can read this for free. So why are we talking Christmas stories? We are doing a month-long of a very Russian Christmas. The idea is that we always look at Christmas stories and rewatch Grinch a hundred times each season. Maybe let's spend some time and learn how other cultures look at Christmas. And I think that we have Christy Lewis to thank for this, of taking us into this dark, dark tunnel of Russian Christmas. (laughs) Well, this one is... This story... Gogol. Gogol does it again with these crazy almost theatrical-like performances where I would literally compare this to almost a Shakespeare play. I think probably Midsummer Night's Dream would make the most sense in terms of having characters fall in and out of love with each other, having multiple characters fall in love with one person chasing after them, then shifting attention to another, and almost kind of like a very convoluted plot in a sense. I think you kind of get that with the story. It felt very whimsical, right? Where it's all over the place, but at the same time, very typical goal. And then you don't get character introspection in the same way that you do with a typical prose presentation. You have characters with dialogue that will just change directions on a dime. And it's it's hysterical the way the characters just flip and don't even care. Like it's acknowledge the absurdity of their choices in in the dialogue. Take me to that dialogue then. Let's do some plot. Okay, and bear with me. This is a complicated one. So let's step through this and have just some fun with this discussion. And, and please, if you haven't read this yet and are just kind of listening, just bear with it. It's Gogol, right? Just, <laughs> just, 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 just let it wash over you is kind of what you need to do whenever you read Gogol. If it doesn't make sense, it makes sense. <laughs> okay, so, so we have the Cossack father, Chobe, we have the, his daughter, Oksana. So that's the father-daughter relationship over here, right? And then we have the blacksmith, Vakula, who likes Oksana, but is afraid of her father, Chobe, right? And his mother, Solika, is who Chobe likes. So we have a mother and son and a father and daughter crisscrossing on who they like and believe it or not, who they dislike as well as the other one. <laughs> that's not confusing at all. I need... A pie chart, please. A Venn diagram. Well, oh, that's what we need is a Venn diagram. We need a Venn diagram. <laughs> and, and this is what just makes it like a Shakespearean play for me too. Because now we have to enter in the magical element into the story. Like like Gogol, particularly in his Ukrainian tales, love doing this, right? So Satan <laughs> enters Wait, the what? story. <laughs> the devil is allowed to escape on Christmas Eve to Rome, right? And the devil, oh, he does not like Vakula at all, right? That Vakula, he made 
insulting pictures of me. <laughs> so he's going to get one over on him. But I totally want to hook up with his mom, the Solokha, <laughs> who's also a witch. Like, you can't. So I, you, this feels like it was real. Like you can't make stuff this stuff up. We can't make this up. Google makes this stuff up. I, yeah, I, I couldn't come up with this. This is way too crazy. So hopefully that made no sense to you because if it did, then you're on the right track, right? So Chobe, he's like, hey, he's going out one night. And the devil's like, all right, I, I got to mess things up because I'm the devil, right? Like that's that's what I do. So in order to make him turn around, right? So so Chobe can't go out. He, he throws up this huge blizzard and Chobe's like, yeah, I got to turn around. <laughs> this, this blizzard's too much, right? He turns around to head back home. He's like, oh, there's my home. And while he was out, while Chobe was out into this blizzard, Vakula, right? He's like, oh. Aksana's alone. I'm going to go sneak over and knock on her door. You know what I'm saying? So he sneaks <laughs> over there. So when Chobe comes back and Vakula's in his home, he's like, oh, this probably isn't my home because Vakula wouldn't be in my home. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, what? So 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 Chobe's like, you know what? I'm going to go try and hook up with Solaka while, <laughs> while Vakula's out. Since I just saw Vakula, I know I can go try and hit on his mom, right? Yep. It's a genius. It's a good plan. <laughs> Let's see how it works out for him. So another just strange element of the story is, is another way that, that the devil kind of confused Chobe was he stole the moon. Just <laughs> plucked the stars out of the sky, took the moon, stuck it in a sack. Like, and if you if you look for images on there, there are some very funny artists that have done some stuff with the devil stealing the moon in this story. Oh. It's, it's hysterical. Oh, I love it. So let's go over to Oksana and Vakula, right? So he's, he's trying to smooth things over with her. And she's like, you know what? I think I need the Sarista's slippers if, if I'm going to marry you, because that makes sense, right? So just go steal Catherine the Great slippers over there, and then I'll marry you. Total. <laughs> go get go get the holy grail of, of slippers, and then, and then we'll hook up, right? Wait a minute. We have all these fictional characters, the devil, a witch, and now you're just going to throw in a real-life czar? <laughs> Zarista, <laughs> like the she's the lady that makes the coffee in the morning for you, right? <laughs> this is crazy. Keep going. So meanwhile, at the witch's house, devil schmoozing with the witch, right? And there's suddenly a knock at the door. She stuffs the devil in a sack. Hang on, hang <laughs> and she puts a tiny little right. <laughs> she answers the door, and we have the headman. Right, so the headman comes in. There's another knock at the door. Let's hide the headman as well. So we've got the devil <laughs> hiding who knows about the headman, right? But the headman doesn't know about the devil. We answer the door and uh, is it the deacon that comes over next? Yep, the deacon comes next. So there's even some commentary here about good Christians. What should Christians do? And the deacons try to hook up with the witch, right? So <laughs> so turning in his values to hook up with this, this sultry woman and there's another knock at the a fourth knock at the door. <laughs> so we hide the deacon in a sack, and it's Chobe. <laughs> and then uh. there's an, another knock on the door. So not only do we hide Chobe, we hide Chobe in the same sack as someone else. So we've got two dudes in a sack. Chobe knows someone's below him. And the guy below him knows someone's up above him, but they kind of don't acknowledge it. Like the, it's it's just this really absurd tale of how of how people are just aware of other people trying to hook up with this witch and being stuffed it's, away. It's absolutely ludicrous. It's just crazy what is stuffed into this very short scene in the middle of the story. <laughs> this is my favorite part. Well, Vakula comes over and he's like. Dude, we got way too much trash in this house, Mom. Look at all these sacks. 
I'm going to take him to my <laughs> workshop before our guests get here. So he, he <laughs> takes the sacks, acknowledges, he's like, hey, these are way heavier than they used to be. He didn't know the devil weighed so much. But, but you know, Bakul is a man. He's a blacksmith. So he takes that sack with two people in it and starts hauling it over to his workshop along with the one with the devil in it and stuff like that. And these, these people in the sacks, no other people are there, but they're not really sure who, and they're being carried by Vakula, who doesn't know people are in the sacks. So if if that's confusing for you, welcome to Gogol. This is how he rolls. I think this is thoroughly straightforward. <laughs> so Vakula is marching with these sacks. He sees Oksana, and Oksana's like, you got my slippers? Come on, we're going to totally hook up if you get those slippers. And he's like, you know what? Maybe she's not right for me. Before I make that decision, though, I'll go talk to the wizard. <laughs> what? So the wizard. <laughs> now we have a wizard. My, the wizard was like my favorite part of this because he goes to see this wizard, and the wizard's just chilling, like as lazily as possible. Where he's got like the soup on the box, and he's like just just sipping down on soup and noodles without using his hands, like just barely at head level, and. He's talking to Vakula, and then all of a sudden the barrel's gone, just randomly. Like, no no transition, barrel's gone. And he's eating dumplings with, with cream, but he doesn't want to use his hands. So Vakula's like, how's he going to pull this one off? So the wizard opens his mouth, and I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? And he opens his mouth even wider, and for no reason, the, like, the dumpling jumps up out on its own volition, dunks itself <laughs> in the cream, and then and then goes into the wizard's mouth. I lost it. Just, just his hysterical because it's like what's going on well you come on come on una you know that if you were a wizard and like had telekinetic powers you would stuff food and beer in your mouth just laying on your couch watching tv i would absolutely <laughs> you're right this this is google 200 years in advance <laughs> predicting what i would actually be wanting as a modern american right like you would look down at your bag of let's say Cheetos and you would make the Cheeto like dance up your stomach and then do like a backflip no. into your mouth. Dude, that's, that is so unrealistic. You know, I would connect two Cheetos together and make them walk over like little like legs. legs. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. So, uh. so he tells him like this really cryptic line about how the devil's on his back. I've got a quote on that later. So he goes out and the devil was in the sack and he's like, aha, I got you now. I heard the quote. <laughs> and so he crosses himself and the devil's like, oh, why'd you cross yourself? I'm powerless now. <laughs> and then he basically agrees to give him a ride to go see the Sarista and part part one of part of a two part. Book. Yeah. So he made a deal with the devil. We got a deal with the devil. He flies off to see the Sarista to fast forward. We see Catherine the Great. <laughs> Who's dead. The one real. Yeah, yeah. True. Good point. 1832 she died almost it wasn't quite 18th century she died very very at the very end of the 18th century right, right yeah 1798 1799 it's real close around there so she's dead so i don't know why he picked her for this for this but she's in it right and, and she she gives him the slippers all right here you go all right but meanwhile they had left all these sacks just just there on the ground like when he took off on the double he just left the sacks there so carolers come along and pick up the sacks and they're like, sweet, there's probably sausages and food in here. Let's take these sacks. <laughs> we'll go get a sled and drag them back to our house. Well, you know, 
to fast forward, people pop out of the sacks. Oh, you're not a sausage. You're a person. <laughs> and he's like, well, not only that, there's another person in there. And the deacon pops out and is like, oh, you were in the sack with me. Just absolute ridiculousness, right? It's bonkers. Bonkers. All right, so jumping forward, Vakula comes back with these slippers, right? But the Holy Grail. And, and Oksana's just like, you know what? I would have married you even without those slippers. <laughs> Oh, and that's sweet. And so, he's like, "Wait, what?" And you know, he's pissed now. <laughs> and and he makes another painting insulting the devil at the church. <laughs> Didn't learn his lesson. This is the best part, is because they say, "Look what a caca." Which, if you didn't know, okay. So, if you do, depending on your translation, that translates to poop head. <laughs> so, yaka kaka. <laughs> so it's translated as yaka kaka what a poop head <laughs> gogol knows how i mean if anything a writer could learn from him is how to end a story because it always ends like on a zinger everybody always talks about starting your stories off with a zinger and pulling in your audience but he leaves you with a kick in the butt <laughs> kick in the butt i see what you did there yeah. all right so this story in one word how would you describe it, crypto? Zany. See, to me, <laughs> it's irony. In the same way that we talked about in our Lamb to the Slaughter, how Roald Dahl uses like all three forms of irony here. To me, this is Gogol masterclass demonstration on how to use dramatic irony, where we, the audience, are in on the joke, but the characters don't know. And that's part of what I think it may be challenging for younger readers, like, I think it's kind of aggressive to make high school students read Shakespeare. Call me crazy. Like, I think you could probably bring something in contemporary that they may like more. I, I agree you should challenge your readers, but I think it's kind of hard because I think younger readers may have a hard time keeping straight all the different perspectives because dramatic irony requires the reader to know what that they know something that their characters don't. And you can lose track of that very quick when you have eight different vantage points to keep track of through this. Totally agree. I think even AP Lit students would struggle with some aspects of getting the dramatic irony here because the story is so convoluted and goes in so many different directions and has so many main characters and so many things going on. Particularly in Shakespeare, what I would say is Gogol's is greatly simplified. We, ha we have some wonderful zingers here. Like the big turning point, of course, is when he sees the wizard and we have the quote, he needn't go far who has the devil on his back. Now, we, the audience, know the devil is in the sack that's on Literally. his back. Yeah. Literally. But Vakula does not. Yeah. So you're supposed to laugh at that. You're supposed to be like, oh, you know, and maybe somebody wouldn't get that. And that would be sad because that's a really, really good point of the story. It's a turning point of the story, too. And that's why the devil pops out. He's like, I got you now. All right. <laughs> well, there's even. I'm some here. More. These are still obvious, too. But I think but the devil kind of threw up snow to create that blizzard. Right. And we have I think it was Chobe that wrote that remarked, eh. What a heap of snow the devil's thrown in my face. And literally, it is the devil throwing a blizzard of snow in this man's face. So it's just little moments like this that Gogol really understands humor. And one of the things that we've talked about in the past is we'll say something's funny, where something's really intense, and then someone says something that's just so light, and the levity of the situation is what's humorous. People are like, I don't understand why that's funny. Well, it's kind of like, 
comparable to the scene where someone's being interrogated and it's really intense. And then the interrogators goes, okay, I give up and walks away. And it's funny because the expectation is much different. There's, there's just, just a switch of emotions. And that's what Gogol does through this whole piece where characters just whimsically flip on a dime of what their values and mentality is. And it's hysterical. Agreed. I think one thing to point out is something that you brought up a long time ago is that as a young man, you struggled with comedy in stories and eventually you had to give yourself permission to laugh mm-hmm. at a story and realize that it is funny. And that's something mm-hmm. that not only you may struggle as a younger reader is, you know, bringing out the humor in this and giving yourself giving yourself permission that this indeed is funny and you can laugh out loud while reading a story. Absolutely. And one of the things that I'm noticing about Gogol's writing is he will absolutely lace because he is I think he really views himself as a neutral party in this discussion. He will lace into anyone, government, church, family values. Like he is not afraid to just rip in and make fun of any group. Oh, yeah. He is mocking everybody throughout this story. Everything is fair game for Gogol. He's mocking the church. He's mocking government. He's mocking social norms. He's mocking relationship norms of, you know, that people are who are supposed to marry who or who's supposed to love who. He just throws it all out the window and does whatever the heck he wants. I want to agree with you and add add a nuance to what you just said. He is, when you say he's mocking the church, mocking the government, I think what Gogol excels at is, is yes, the government, the church is funny, right? But he's specifically mocking people and people's choices in the government. He's making fun of churchgoers and their lack of morality or inconsistencies, the way the deacon's coming over to try to hook up with this witch, right? The, a good Christian wouldn't do that. And they even talk about like suicide in the story too, where that's not what a good Christian would do. But obviously there are those that have chosen that. This is his insight into realizing the hypocrisy that even though if you're a churchgoer or you're in the government and you're supposed to behave this way, he constantly rips into the people who manipulate things and take advantages of things to further themselves or abuse maybe their situation. 100% agree. I think that he's doing this for maybe a personal reason too, right? He's trying to make sure he has a scapegoat or making sure that he's distancing himself with actually attacking the institution. He's attacking the people to where, you know, the church is all so powerful, it can do whatever it's want. You know, literally he's saying that the church, the devil can steal the moon here, but he's he's attacking the people mm-hmm. so that he can't get thrown in jail or isn't excommunicated from the Catholic church. Church. That's that's a good point. It's these subtle elements where you can make the conclusion that he's almost mocking how powerful the church is or isn't with the devil taking the moon here. How the church can't necessarily make the people behave the way they ought to, and even the deacon himself violating his holy commands in a sense. Very subtly nuanced from Gogol to the point of this is a this is I don't know if you've thought about this, but here's a question I've kind of struggled with a little bit. Who is the protagonist in this story? I guess you have to look at the characteristics of what is a protagonist in a story. Is it a hero? Is it someone that does selfless acts? Is it someone that wins or loses, goes through a self-discovering journey? 
So there's a lot of questions you have to ask yourself. And does that actually happen in this story? And who does it happen to? So so one of the more interesting angles that I was thinking about this, because I don't know if there is a right answer, but, but, but one of the things that I've struggled with is the devil. Is he a hero or anti-hero in this story? Or is he a protagonist? Because one of the things that I think about with anti-heroes is that they still need a continual sense of internal justice. These are the things that I do that I think are right, that I know other people may disagree, but they have a consistent sense of justice is one way to write an anti-hero, right? I think what Gogol's done here with the devil is that he's written him more of kind of his angelic view than the all monstrous creature that we see in the Western idealized version of the devil. I can see that. And, you know, coming back to the idea of, of, of hero, anti-hero, though, from, from an angelic standpoint, because angels can be heroes and anti-heroes, too, depending on how a writer does it, right? You have to tie that to what actions they take in the story. And to me, the devil sets into motion a lot of the events here in terms of stealing the moon, the blizzard, how, changing the course of Chobe, in a sense, that I almost view, when I when I think of a character of starting action, starting the plot, I think of them as the antagonist. So I almost would put the devil as the antagonist in the story, though I know some people maybe even view him as an anti-hero in the story. Yeah, I think it's tough because at the end, he kind of helps the couple get together. So without him even kicking off all this negativity, would they have hooked up in the end? Would she have said, you know what? I don't need the slippers. I would have married you anyway. That might not have happened, right? Well, and to that point of, okay, so Vakula forces the devil. He He's the one that conquers. He slays the dragon, his holy grail, in terms of marrying the girl and achieving happiness with her. He didn't need to buy it with the slippers. He earned it with his actions. I think Vakula, to me, is the closest to a hero, even though he is kind of questionably maybe, I don't want to say morally gray, but he does, he is presented with flaws in a sense, and he is presented as one that's willing to conquer his suicidal thoughts, I guess, in a sense, to go see the wizard. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I mean, if you look at it from a Christian standpoint, you know, witchcraft, wizardry is going to be a sin, and he's using that for his benefit. That's not good. That's not something a hero would do. He is also manipulating the devil and striking a bargain with him, and he's kind of blackmailing the devil, too. That's definitely something not that a good person would do. So, I mean, there is arguments, I think, for both sides. But at, from a writing perspective, you are making that character make the decisions like this character has agency where he is impacting the plot yeah definitely and it's kind of this struggle right it's a tug of war pulling back and forth really between vakula and the devil and the last character that i would consider and i think i'm going to go with vakula as my final answer but i, I you have to at least consider chobe as some form of a protagonist <laughs> right but at the <laughs> but at the same time dude like what's his role in this plot like if i'm writing this He's basically like trying to hook up with the witch, right? Which everyone wants to, to bang the witch, right? Everybody's trying to hook up with the witch of this. <laughs> He's basically just a gigantic block to Vakula hooking up with his daughter. He's the Eugene Levy of the story. Like, you can't hook up with my daughter, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. All right, so are we going with Vakula as the protagonist then? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think we can agree on that. Now, I know we spent a lot of time on plot in this story, way more than what we do in any other breakdown, right? But I think what I'm coming to realize with Gogol is so much of his genius comes from how he writes 
the plot in the way that how characters interact with it. He's not a plotter in the way of a, you know, like a genreist, uh, a, a writer that just writes genre fiction in a sense. He's a writer where the characters have direct agency and immersion into this plot and universe that he's just a writer that is just so unique. It's hard to break him down in the same way that we do other authors is probably the best way I can describe why these videos for Gogol are structured so differently than maybe how we've written and talked about other authors. Yeah, 100% agree. I think that's something of why you might enjoy or not enjoy his writing compared to many of the other authors that we suggest in videos that we've done is that his is going to be very unique. Not only is it zany, but in craziness is that his is going to have less maybe of that very specific analytical value, but more of his plot devices going to give you an idea of what his meanings are supposed to be or what he's trying to convey. So I know a lot of people enjoy these conversations, but they're not necessarily sure what to add to it. Please feel free to leave just a devil emoji if you had some fun today. <laughs> We're going to have our Nikolai Gogol playlist down below. You've got to check out our overcoat and the nose talks. We loved the love, love, love those short stories. Please go check them out. Let's move into our subjective ratings now, Crypto. What are you going to give this? I got to give this one two different scores, which I rarely do. Uh, and it's going to break my heart a little bit for the enjoyment. I'm going to give this one uh, a 9.5. I can't give it the perfect 10, even though it's hilarious. It is very difficult to follow this story. I had to yeah, read it a couple yeah. of times. We had to have a discussion off camera about it. Uh, so I'll give it a 9.5 for enjoyment because it is absolutely hysterical and I really, really, really got a lot out of it personally. Analytically, I think kind of struggle a little bit personally with the analytical stuff. There is some things there and we had a great discussion, but I'm going to maybe give it like a four, pretty mm -hmm. low on the analytical. No, no, I fully understand. And I think my ratings are going to represent a similar thing. So to break it down the two different ways, anal analytically and, and subjectively. Subjectively, easy 9.5 with you. I agree. Not exactly a 10 because I agree there were some confusing elements of it, which, you know, when it comes to Shakespeare, I dock for the same reason. It is so complex that it does take effort to enjoy. Is that wrong? No, it's still a 9.5. Let's not bicker over that 0.5, right? Analytically, yeah, I agree. There's not as much here, but there is, the more we get to know Gogol and the more we get to talk about some of his elements... You know, it's just weird. He 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 doesn't break down analytically the same way that we do with a lot of other authors. A lot of different ways literature classes teach you to think and analyze. He's just so different. Do you dock him for not being the prescriptive way of writing? Do you laud it for being unique? I think I'm going to kind of go with you on this one where maybe... Maybe analytically, I'm going to go a little bit lower, like like five, I would say. And it's not meant to be pejorative, but it's just so different. And I want to acknowledge that, but I, I hate to dock it for it, but I don't know how not to. So Yeah, so I think that if you were in a class and you know your teacher assigned this, or if I were to assign this you know, in an AP Lit class or something, this would be something I would use to show how different it is. I would use it as a teaching tool to say, this is how you 
analytically break down a story or this is how a story is written to be analytical and the point that they're trying to make here's something that's a great story and does have meaning but it's not going to follow the traditional formula this is how a unique author would break that formula and so it can have value it's just going to be something that is not going to be what our standards are set to and that's why we have to give it a low score that's not fair necessarily but it is something that we have to stay consistent in our yeah. scores for those you people that are watching the video every week. I agree. I agree. I, I think that's a fair way of putting it. I hate, I feel bad docking at points for that, but I kind of have to, to be consistent. Well, all right, guys, hopefully you've enjoyed today's conversation. We post videos every Monday and Thursday on literature discussions. Again, the Google playlist is down below for this, this treat, this, this man that wrote some really interesting stuff for us. Please consider checking it out and subscribe to us. I'm Una. Peace out. Peace.